Today is June the 12th. Today we see how Israel loses its power as we read 2 Kings 7 to 10. Last week we left off with uh, the enemy to the north, the king of Aram. Uh, Ben-Hadad attacking Samaria. He was besieging the city of Samaria, and Samaria was ready to capitulate. Samaria was ready to open its gates to the Arameans. But in chapter 7, verse 6, the Lord caused the Aramean army to hear the clatter of speeding chariots and the galloping of horses and the sounds of a great army approaching. The king of Israel has hired the Hittites and the Egyptians to attack us, they cried to one another. They panicked and they fled. They left everything behind. Uh, Samaria saw God uh, delivering them on that day. Now, uh, in the next chapter, King Ben-Hadad doesn't give up his quest to conquer much of Israelite territory. He continues to attack, but he falls ill. And he has been awestruck by the God of Israel. So he sends one of his main generals, Hazael by name, to go and talk to Elisha. Hazael asks Elisha, my master sent me to ask, will he get better? Elisha looks at Hazael and says, yes, he'll get better. Then Elisha stares at Hazael. He stares so long that Hazael becomes embarrassed. Then Elisha breaks down and he begins to weep. Hazael says, what's wrong? And Elisha says, I see how you will attack Israel, kill Israelite citizens, Israelite men, women, and children, and conquer its territory. Hazael says, but I'm not the king. I'm only a general. Elisha says, you will be king. Hazael goes back to Ben-Hadad. Ben-Hadad asks him, what did Elisha say? And Hazael says, he said, you'll get better. But the very next day, Hazael murders Ben-Hadad and becomes king. Now, Hazael now begins to attack Israel. Uh, well, pick up on that attack in uh, chapters uh, to come. All during this time, Joram is uh, the king in Israel. In Judah, we begin with Jehoshaphat being king, but in chapter 8, verse 16, Jehoram, Jehoshaphat's son, becomes king in Judah. Now, Scripture tells us that Joram was uh, just as evil as King Ahab. His name was Jehorab, uh, Jehoram, some call him Joram, just like the king of Israel. He was, in fact, probably named after the king of Israel. He had taken one of King Joram's daughters as his wife. Her name 
was Athaliah. Joram uh, or Jehoram reigned for about eight years. Apparently part of that time was as co-regent with his father Jehoshaphat. Uh, he dies and his son Ahaziah becomes king in, in his place. Ahaziah rules for two years. Now in chapter 9, Elisha finds one of the generals of Israel's army, Jehu by name. And he tells Jehu, God has anointed you to be king over Israel. Well, Jehu kills King Joram of Israel. He kills King uh, Ahaziah of Judah. He kills all of Ahab's family. He kills all of the priests of Baal. In fact, as a result of all of this, uh, Hosea is uh, told to prophesy because of the excesses of Jehu, how he killed so many different people. You add them all up, it comes to about 120 people that he killed. Now, he killed the prophets of Baal. Uh, that put a serious damper on the worship of Baal. And that was good, chapter 10, verses uh, 28 and 29. Tell us that the Lord was pleased that Jehu stopped the worship of Baal. But in verse 29, but he didn't destroy the golden calves. Israel continued to worship those golden calves. In verse uh, 30 and 31, uh, Jehu dies. Before he dies, chapter 10, verse 32 tells us, at about that time, the Lord began to cut down the size of Israel's territory. King Hazael conquered sections of the country east of the Jordan River, including all of Gilead, Gad, Reuben, and Manasseh. So Hazael took all of the territory that belonged to Israel on the east of the Jordan. Then he conquered the area from the town of Aroer by the Arnon Gorge to as far north as Gilead and Bashan. Uh, King Hazael began to take much of the territory that had belonged to King Omri in Israel. He decreases the amount of territory that Israel held. In verse 35, Jehu died and was buried in Samaria, and his son Jehoahaz became the next king. Jehu had ruled for 28 years. All during that time, he lost territory to the king of Aram. Enjoy today as we read 2 Kings verses 7 to 10. 2 Kings 7 to 10, New Living Translation, 2 Kings 7. 
Elisha replied, listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. By this time tomorrow in the markets of Samaria, six quarts of choice flour will cost only one piece of silver, and 12 quarts of barley grain will cost only one piece of silver. The officer assisting the king said to the man of God, that couldn't happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. Elisha replied, you'll see it happen with your own eyes, but you won't be able to eat any of it. Now there were four men with leprosy sitting at the entrance of the city gates. Why should we sit here waiting to die, they asked each other. We'll starve if we stay here. But with the famine in the city, we'll starve if we go back there. So we might as well go out and surrender to the Aramean army. If they let us live, so much the better. But if they kill us, we would have died anyway. So at twilight, they set out for the camp of the Arameans, but when they came to the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Aramean army to hear the clatter of speeding chariots and the galloping of horses and the sounds of a great army approaching. The king of Israel has hired the Hittites and Egyptians to attack us, they cried to one another. So they panicked and ran into the night, abandoning their tents, horses, donkeys, and everything else as they fled for their lives. When the men with leprosy arrived at the edge of the camp, they went into the one tent after another, eating and drinking wine. They carried off silver and gold and clothing and hid it. Finally, they said to each other, this isn't right. This is a day of good news. We aren't sharing it with anyone. If we wait until morning, some calamity will certainly fall upon us. Come on, let's go and tell the people at the palace. So they went back to the city and told the gatekeepers what had happened. We went to the Aramean camp, they said. No one was there. The horses and donkeys were tethered. The tents were all in order, but there wasn't a single person around. Then the gatekeepers shouted the news to the people in the palace. The king got out of the bed in the middle of the night and told his officers, I know what's happened. The Arameans know we're starving, so they've left their camp. They've hidden in the fields. They're expecting us to leave the city. Then they'll take us alive and capture the city. One of the officers replied, we'd better send out scouts to check into this. Let them take five of the remaining horses. If something happens to them, it'll be no worse than if they stay here and die with the rest of us. So two chariots with horses were prepared, and the king sent scouts to see what had happened to the Aramean army. They went all the way to the Jordan River, following a trail of clothing and equipment that the Arameans had thrown away in their mad rush to escape. The scouts returned and told the king about it. Then the people of Samaria rushed out and plundered the Aramean camp. So it was that six quarts of choice flour were sold that day for one piece of silver. Twelve quarts of barley grain were sold for one piece of silver, just as the Lord had promised. The king appointed his officer to control the traffic at the gate, but he was knocked down and trampled to death as the people rushed out. So everything happened exactly as the man of God had predicted when the king came to his house. The man of God had said to the king, By this time tomorrow in the markets of Samaria, six quarts of choice flour will cost one piece of silver, and twelve quarts of barley grain will cost one piece of silver. The king's officer had replied, That couldn't happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. 
The man of God had said, you'll see it happen with your own eyes, but you won't be able to eat any of it. And so it was, for the people trampled him to death at the gate. 2 Kings 8, Elisha told the woman whose son he had brought back to light, Take your family and move to some other place, for the Lord has called for a famine on Israel that will last for seven years. So the woman did as the man of God instructed. She took her family and settled in the land of the Philistines for seven years. After the famine ended, she returned from the land of the Philistines. She went to see the king about getting back her house and land. As she came in, the king was talking with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God. The king had just said, Tell me some stories about the great things Elisha has done. Gehazi was telling the king about the time Elisha had brought a boy back to life. At that very moment, the mother of the boy walked in to make her appeal to the king about her house and land. Look, my lord, the king, Gehazi exclaimed, here is the woman now, and this is her son, the one Elisha brought back to life. Is this true? The king asked her. She told him the story, so he directed one of his officials to see that everything she had lost was restored to her, including the value of any crops that had been harvested during her absence. Elisha went to Damascus, the capital of Aram, where King Ben-Hadad lay sick. When someone told the king that the man of God had come, the king said to Hazael, Take a gift to the man of God and tell him to ask the Lord, Will I recover from this illness? So Hazael loaded down 40 camels with the finest products of Damascus as a gift for Elisha. He went to him and said, Your servant Ben-Hadad, the king of Aram, has sent me to ask, Will I recover from this illness? Elisha replied, Go and tell him you will surely recover. But actually, the Lord has shown me that he will surely die. Elisha stared at Hazael with a fixed gaze until Hazael became uneasy. Then the man of God started weeping. What's the matter, my lord? Hazael asked him. Elisha replied, I know the terrible things you'll do to the people of Israel. You'll burn their fortified cities, kill their young men with the sword, dash their little children to the ground, and rip open their pregnant women. Hazael responded, How could a nobody like me ever accomplish such great things? Elisha answered, The Lord has shown me that you are going to be the king of Aram. When Hazael left Elisha and went back, the king asked him, What did Elisha tell you? Hazael replied, He told me you will surely recover. But the next day, Hazael took a blanket, soaked it in water, and held it over the king's face until he died. Then Hazael became the next king of Aram. Jehoram, son of King Jehoshaphat of Judah, began to rule over Judah in the fifth year of the reign of Joram, son of Ahab, king of Israel. Jehoram was 32 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem eight years. But Jehoram followed the example of the kings of Israel and was as wicked as King Ahab, for he had married one of Ahab's daughters. So Jehoram did what was evil in the Lord's sight. But the Lord did not want to destroy Judah, for he had promised his servant David that his descendants would continue to rule, shining like a lamp 
forever. During Jehoram's reign, the Edomites revolted against Judah and crowned their own king. So Jehoram went with all his chariots to attack the town of Zair. The Edomites surrounded him and his chariot commanders, but he went out at night and attacked them under cover of darkness. But Jehoram's army deserted him and fled to their homes. So Edom has been independent from Judah to this day. The town of Libna also revolted about that same time. The rest of the events in Jehoram's reign and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. When Jehoram died, he was buried with his ancestors in the city of David. Then his son Ahaziah became the next king. Ahaziah, son of Jehoram, began to rule over Judah in the twelfth year of the reign of Joram, son of Ahab, king of Israel. Ahaziah was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem one year. His mother was Athaliah, a granddaughter of King Omri of Israel. Ahaziah followed the evil example of King Ahab's family. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as Ahab's family had done, for he was related by marriage to the family of Ahab. Ahaziah joined Joram, son of Ahab, in his war against King Hazael of Aram at Ramoth Gilead. When the Arameans wounded King Joram in the battle, he returned to Jezreel to recover from the wounds he had received at Ramoth. Because Joram was wounded, King Ahaziah of Judah went to Jezreel to visit him. 2 Kings 9 Meanwhile, Elisha the prophet had summoned a member of the group of prophets. Get ready to travel, he told him. Take this flask of olive oil with you and go to Ramoth-Gilead. Find Jehu, son of Jehoshaphat, son of Nimshi. Call him into a private room away from his friends and pour the oil over his head. Say to him, this is what the Lord says. I anoint you to be the king over Israel. Then open the door and run for your life. So the young prophet did as he was told and went to Ramoth Gilead. When he arrived there, he found Jehu sitting around with the other army commanders. I have a message for you, commander, he said. For which one of us, Jehu asked? For you, commander. So Jehu left the others and went into the house. Then the young prophet poured the oil over Jehu's head and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I anoint you king over the Lord's people, Israel. You're to destroy the family of Ahab, your master. In this way, I'll avenge the murder of my prophets and all the Lord's servants who were killed by Jezebel. The entire family of Ahab must be wiped out. I'll destroy every one of his male descendants, slave and free alike, anywhere in Israel. I'll destroy the family of Ahab as I destroyed the families of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and of Basha, son of Ahijah. Dogs will eat Ahab's wife Jezebel at the plot of the land in Jezreel. No one will bury her. Then the young prophet opened the door and ran. Jehu went back to his fellow officers, and one of them asked him, What did that madman want? Is everything all right? You know how a man like that babbles on, Jehu replied. You're hiding something, they said. Tell us. So Jehu told them, he said to me, This is what the Lord says, I have anointed you to be king over Israel.
Then they quickly spread out their cloaks on the bare steps and blew the ram's horn, shouting, Jehu is king. So Jehu, son of Jehoshaphat, son of Nimshi, led a conspiracy against King Joram. Now Joram had been with the army at Ramoth-Gilead, defending Israel against the forces of King Hazael of Aram. But King Joram was wounded in the finding and returned to Jezreel to recover from his wounds. So Jehu told the men with him, if you want me to be king, don't let anyone leave town and go to Jezreel and report what we've done. Then Jehu got into a chariot and rode to Jezreel to find King Joram, who was lying there wounded. King Ahaziah of Judah was there too, for he had gone to visit him. The watchman at the tower of Jezreel saw Jehu and his company approaching, so he shouted to Joram, I see a company of troops coming. Send out a rider to ask if they're coming in peace, King Joram ordered. So a horseman went out to meet Jehu and said, The king wants to know if you're coming in peace, Jehu replied. What do you know about peace? Fall in behind me. The watchman called out to the king. The messenger has met them, but he's not returning. So the king sent out a second horn, and he rode up to them, and he said, The king wants to know if you come in peace. Again, Jehu answered, What do you know about peace? Fall in behind me. The watchman exclaimed, The messenger has met them, but he isn't returning either. It must be Jehu, son of Nimshi, for he's driving like a madman. Quick, get my chariot ready, King Joram commanded. Then King Joram of Israel and King Ahaziah of Judah rode out in their chariots to meet Jehu. They met him at the plot of land that had belonged to Naboth of Jezreel. King Joram demanded, Do you come in peace, Jehu? Jehu replied, How can there be peace as long as the idolatry and witchcraft of your mother Jezebel are all around us? Then King Joram turned the horses around and fled, shouting to King Ahaziah, Treason, Ahaziah! But Jehu drew his bow and shot Joram between the shoulders. The arrow pierced his heart, and he sank down dead in his chariot. Jehu said to Bidkar, his officer, Throw him into the plot of land that belonged to Naboth of Jezreel. Do you remember when you and I were riding along behind his father Ahab? The Lord pronounced this message against him. I solemnly swear that I will repay him here on this plot of land, says the Lord, for the murder of Naboth and his sons that I saw yesterday. So throw him out on Naboth's property, just as the Lord said. When King Ahaziah of Judah saw what was happening, he fled along the road to Beth-Hagan. Jehu rode after him, shouting, Shoot him too! So they shot Ahaziah and his chariot at the ascent of Gore near Iblium. He was able to go as far as Megiddo, but he died there. His servants took him by chariot to Jerusalem, where they buried him with his ancestors in the city of David. Ahaziah became king over Judah in the eleventh year of the reign of Joram, son of Ahab. When Jezebel, the queen mother, heard that Jehu had come to Jezreel, she painted her eyelids and fixed her hair and sat at a window. When Jehu entered the gate of the palace, she shouted at him, Have you come in peace, you murderer? You're just like Zimri, who murdered his master. Jehu looked up and saw in her window. He shouted, Who's on my side? Two or three eunuchs looked out at him. Throw her down, Jehu shouted. 
So they threw her out the window, and her blood spattered against the wall and on the horses. Jehu trampled her body under his horse's hooves. Then Jehu went into the palace and ate and drank. Afterward, he said, Someone go and bury this cursed woman, for she's the daughter of a king. But when they went out to bury her, they only found her skull, her feet, and her hands. When they returned and told Jehu, he stated, This fulfills the message from the Lord, which he spoke through his servant Elijah from Tishbe. At the plot of land in Jezreel, dogs will eat Jezebel's body. Her remains will be scattered like dung on the plot of land in Jezreel, so that no one will be able to recognize her. 2 Kings 10 Ahab had 70 sons living in the city of Samaria, so Jehu wrote letters and sent them to Samaria, to the elders and officials of the city, to the guardians of King Ahab's sons. He said, The king's sons are with you, and you have at your disposal chariots, horses, a fortified city, and weapons. As soon as you receive this letter, select the best qualified of your master's sons to be your king, and prepare to fight for Ahab's dynasty. But they were paralyzed with fear and said, We've seen that two kings couldn't stand up against this man. What can we do? So the palace and city administrators, together with the elders and the guardians of the king's son, sent this message to Jehu. We are your servants and will do anything you tell us. We'll not make anyone king. Do whatever you think is best. Jehu responded with a second letter. If you're on my side and you're going to obey me, Bring the heads of your master's sons to me at Jezreel by this time tomorrow. Now the seventy sons of the king were being cared for by the leaders of Samaria, where they'd been raised since childhood. When the letter arrived, the leaders killed all seventy of the king's sons. They replaced their heads in baskets and presented them to Jehu at Jezreel. A messenger went to Jehu and said, They brought the heads of the king's sons. Jehu ordered, pile them in two heaps at the entrance to the city gate and leave them there until morning. In the morning, he went out and spoke to the crowd that had gathered around him. You're not to blame, he told them. I'm the one who conspired against my master and killed him. But who killed all these? You can be sure that the message of the Lord was spoken concerning Ahab's family will not fail. The Lord declared through his servant Elijah that this would happen. Then Jehu killed all who were left of Ahab's relatives living in Jezreel and all his important officials, his personal friends, and his priests. So Ahab was left without a single survivor. Then Jehu set out for Samaria. Along the way, while he was at Beth Echid of the shepherds, he met some relatives of King Ahaziah of Judah. Who are you? He asked them. They replied, We're relatives of King Ahaziah. We're going to visit the sons of King Ahab and the sons of the queen mother. Take them alive, Jehu shouted to his men. They captured all 42 of them and killed them at the well of Beth Echid. None of them escaped. When Jehu left there, he met Jehonadab, son of Rechab, who was coming to meet him. After they had greeted each other, Jehu said to him, You're as loyal to me as I am to you? Yes, I am, Jehonadab replied. If you are, Jehu said, then give me your hand. Jehonadab put out his hand, and Jehu helped him into his chariot. Then Jehu said, Now come with me and see how devoted I am to the Lord. So Jehonadab rode along with him. When Jehu arrived in Samaria, he killed everyone who was there from Ahab's family, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. 
Then Jehu called a meeting of all the people of the city and said to them, Ahab's worship of Baal was nothing compared to the way I'll worship him. Therefore, summon all the prophets and worshipers of Baal. Call together all his priests. See to it that every one of them comes, for I'm going to offer a great sacrifice to Baal. Anyone who fails to come will be put to death. But Jehu's cunning plan was to destroy all the worshipers of Baal. Then Jehu ordered, prepare a solemn assembly to worship Baal. So they did. He sent messengers throughout all Israel, summoning those who worship Baal. They all came. Not a single one remained behind. They filled the temple of Baal from one end to the other. Jehu instructed the keeper of the wardrobe, be sure that every worshiper of Baal wears one of these robes. So robes were given to them. Then Jehu went into the temple of Baal with Jehonadab, son of Rechab. Jehu said to the worshipers of Baal, Make sure no one who worships the Lord is here, only those who worship Baal. So they were all inside the temple to offer sacrifices and burnt offerings. Now Jehu had stationed 80 of his men outside the building and had warned them, If you let anyone escape, you will pay for it with your own life. As soon as Jehu had finished sacrificing the burnt offering, he commanded his guards and officers, Go in and kill all of them. Don't let a single one escape. So they killed them all with their swords, and the guards and the officers dragged their bodies outside. Then Jehu's men went into the innermost fortress of the temple of Baal. They dragged out the sacred pillar used in the worship of Baal and burned it. They smashed the sacred pillar and wrecked the temple of Baal, converting it into a public toilet as it remains to this day. In this way, Jehu destroyed every trace of Baal worship from Israel. He did not, however, destroy the golden calves at Bethel and Dan, with which Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had caused Israel to sin. Nonetheless, the Lord said to Jehu, You've done well in following my instructions to destroy the family of Ahab. Therefore, your descendants will be kings of Israel down to the fourth generation. But Jehu did not obey the law of the Lord, the God of Israel, with all his heart. He refused to turn from the sins that Jeroboam had led Israel to commit. At about that time, the Lord began to cut down the size of Israel's territory. King Hazael conquered several sections of the country east of the Jordan River, including all of Gilead, Gad, Reuben, and Manasseh. He conquered the area from the town of Aroer by the Arnon Gorge to as far north as Gilead and Bashan. The rest of the events in Jehu's reign, everything he did and all his achievements, are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. When Jehu died, he was buried in Samaria. Then his son Jehoahaz became the next king. In all, Jehu reigned over Israel from Samaria for 28 years. Like, follow, and subscribe to this devotional on whatever platform you use to listen to it. Email your questions to us at questions at becomehope.com. Tomorrow, we'll hear of the Queen of Judah.